Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. How do you imagine God feels when you're in trouble? If your dad was a hard man, maybe you imagine God just scoffing. Suck it up, buttercup. Or even worse, you're getting what you deserve for making such dumb decisions. But the Bible presents a very different picture. God wants us to appeal to him when we're in trouble, even if it's our own fault, because of his deep feelings of compassion for us. Let's move to the next verse. Let's take a look at verse 13, where James starts this whole lengthy section on prayer. Of the five solutions that he gives us in this closing section, by far the biggest one is prayer. One verse on reverence and integrity, one verse on confession, two on restoration, six on prayer. So that's the major theme. And by the way, some people get so embroiled in the whole debate about healing in this closing section that they think that this is a passage about healing. It's not, a, it's not mainly a passage about healing. It's mainly a passage about prayer. Prayer is mentioned in every single verse, and, and we're commanded to pray in this section no less than five times in six verses. So the focus is prayer, and it starts with prayer for yourself. Just you and God. Just you and God. Is there anyone of you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. So it's just this is you. He's going to talk about praying for each other, praying for one another. He's going to get to that. In fact, most of it's going to be about that, but it starts with you because prayer goes out in concentric circles. When you pray, you start with you. You start with you and God your own heart before God. And that makes sense, because if your heart isn't right before God, what good is it going to do you to pray for other people, right? you got to get right before God first. It's when you have that close, personal communion with the Lord that your prayers will be powerful and effective when you pray for other people. And so all your prayers should start, you and God, you and God. And he brings up, it's interesting in this verse, he brings up two scenarios. If this and if this. A couple of different scenarios in life. The first one, is any one of you in trouble? Or literally, is is any one of you suffering hardship? It's the same word used in verse 10 of the hardship that the prophets went through. So, trouble, bad hardship, like the prophets. Anybody going through something like that? What should you do? What should you do when that happens to you? Answer, pray. Pray. When you, when you suffer, look to God. Here's why. It's because the heart of God is moved by, by children crying out to Him, His children crying out to Him when they're in trouble. It moves His heart. He responds to that. And if you doubt that, just read Psalm 18 sometime. Just read, it's a long psalm, just read the whole thing. If you want to know, because when, you know, you can't see God respond to your prayers, right? So you don't know how it's affecting Him. So if you want to see it, read Psalm 18. This is what God feels when you cry out for help. This guy's in trouble. Verse 4, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Verse 6, in my distress, I called out to the Lord. I cried out to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled. This is God's response when he hears me crying. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came out from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. 
Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. It moves the heart of God to action when we appeal to his strength in our weakness. I love this little story from the book, The Necessity of Prayer by E.M. Bounds. He says this, A dear friend of mine who was quite a lover of hunting told me the following story. Rising early one morning, he said, I heard the baying of a score of deer hounds in pursuit of their quarry. So these these dogs are running after the deer. Looking away to a broad open field in front of me, I saw a young fawn making its way across and giving signs, moreover, that its race was well nigh run. Reaching the rails of the enclosure, it leaped over and crouched within ten feet from where I stood. A moment later, two of the hounds came over when the fawn ran in my direction and pushed its head between my legs. I lifted the little thing to my chest and swinging around, I fought off the dogs. I felt just then that all the dogs in the West could not and should not capture that little fawn after its weakness had appealed to my strength. So it is when human helplessness appeals to Almighty God. Well do I remember when the hounds of sin were after my soul until at last I ran into the arms of Almighty God. It moved that guy when that little deer appealed to his strength. And that's what he's saying here. God is moved when you cry out to him. And you might not feel it. Some of you hear that and you say, that's not how it feels to me at all. I'm The dogs are ripping me to pieces and God is standing there doing nothing. I cry out to him for help and I don't get this Psalm 18 stuff. The, decide, the, the, the heavens remain decidedly unrended and there's no lightning and thunder against my enemies. None of it. Nothing happens. Many times... God's love prevents him from responding in the manner or the timing that I had in mind, but it's so important for us to understand this is his heart. This is how he feels when you pray. When you hear the shrill screams of your little two-year-old who got, just got her finger slammed in a door, and you apparent, you immediately know, okay, that's, that's not a fake cry, that's a real one, she's really hurt, and you just feel it sick feeling in your stomach and immediately you're on your feet running. I mean, every one of you is a parent. You know what I'm talking about, right? God made parents feel like that so that we would understand what it's like in heaven when God hears our cries of pain. This is what he feels. And if you knew everything God knows, you would understand why he's waiting as long as he's waiting or why he's responding in the way that he's responding. But don't let your limited knowledge ever skew your understanding of his compassion. If you go outside at nighttime in the middle of winter, you might be tempted to think the sun went out. It didn't go out. The sun didn't go cold. It's just as hot as ever. And you'll see that soon enough. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to experience that soon enough. But I'll tell you this, the sun will turn to ice before God ever turns cold towards someone who has faith in him. It's never going to happen. So when trouble comes, beloved, pray. Pray. That's not a simplistic religious answer. Pray. You say, pray what? 
What should I pray? I mean, what's the right way to pray when times are hard, when things get really hard? James has already showed us the wrong way, beginning of chapter 4. We've seen that. The people that James is writing to, they weren't getting their prayers answered because they were doing it in the James 4 way, which is a terrible way to pray. Uh, so any times you don't get your prayers answered, maybe that's the first question you should ask is, am I doing it in the James 4 way? James 4 praying, if you don't remember that, that's when you are in love with something in this world. You're looking to that thing for your happiness, and that thing is the solution to your problem, you think. And it could be anything. It could be a relationship. It could be a possession, a career, health, money, family, knowledge, power. Just anything your heart thinks it needs to have in order to be happy. And that's, that's what you're looking to as a solution. And so whenever you pray, you're just asking for that. Say, God, give me that thing. God, give me the thing that's real treasure of my heart. That's James 4 praying. And that's the number one way to get God to not listen to your prayers. When people like that encounter hardship and suffering, um, they usually their highest priority is make it stop. That's the way they pray. God, make it stop. No, no concern about whether it's his, the best timing, no concern about what God's will is, and no concern about what God intended this trial to accomplish in your life, no concern about any of that. Just make it stop because my happiness doesn't come from you. It comes from getting this thing to stop. That's worldliness. And having an attitude like that will destroy your prayers. So that's the wrong way to pray. We've seen that. What's the right way? If it's not that way, what should we be praying for when we suffer? What should you ask God for? Answer? It depends on what you need. It depends on what you need. As Just pray for whatever you need. As a Christian, your goal in life, your purpose for existence is to do the will of God and to please Him, right? To bring Him glory and, and do what pleases Him. So if that's your goal in life, then when you suffer, just ask God to supply whatever it is you need to fulfill that goal, to accomplish His will. And it might be different things at different times. If you're suffering and you've got a bunch of anxiety because of the hardship, well, what you need to pray for is peace, right? That's what you need, peace. Seek peace from God, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with you, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. On the other hand, maybe, maybe you're not struggling with anxiety so much. Maybe what you're struggling with is fear. You're just afraid. And so what do you do? You pray, you look to God for protection and a sense of security. Like in Psalm 56, 9. Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? If, that, if, if, if the problem is fear. Or if that fear is paralyzing you so that you can't function, you can't move, you can't move ahead, maybe you need to pray and ask God for courage. Or... Maybe in your case, the problem is anger. It's not causing anxiety, it's not causing fear, it's causing anger. Well, you need, maybe you need to pray for humility. Or, maybe it's one of those times where the trial has beaten you down to a pulp to the point where you, you just feel you can't go on. And what you need to pray for is strength and perseverance. Or, maybe the whole situation's got you so confused, you don't know what, 
what to do, where to go, how to feel, what to... You're just totally confused. Pray for wisdom. Or maybe the whole thing's causing you to experience doubts. Pray for faith. There's no generic way to pray when you're in trouble. It just depends on what you need. Pray for what you need. Although I will say this, there's one thing you can always pray for when you're in trouble, and that is comfort. You can always ask for that. Because God is supremely glorified when we are able to find comfort in Him in the midst of our suffering. He's the God of all comfort, and He delights in comforting the afflicted. That's what He does. And so we can cry out anytime for comfort. You know, the one thing that we're allowed to complain about in Scripture is not enough closeness with God. Right? And so you read the Psalms. That's the one thing. It's, that's the good kind of complaining. The one kind of complaining that actually glorifies God is when we say, I don't have enough closeness with you. I need more of you. Need more closeness. That pleases Him. We're never more on track than we, when we are desiring more closeness with God, greater experiences of His presence. We're never more on track when that's happening, and we're never farther off track than when we're desiring anything else. David understood that. That's what he desired. When he suffered, when he's out in the desert, running for his life from his own son who's trying to kill him and take over his kingdom, I mean, he's a, his life is a mess. He's out in the de- what, what, what do you think his greatest desire at that point would be? What would you pray for? I mean, his kingdom is falling apart. His family is falling apart. His life is falling apart. He's out there in the desert. He's running and, and he's got all these relationship problems. Everything. What do you think his deepest desire was? Psalm 63.1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul longs for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With you on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. David says, I'm suffering. I need one thing. It's God. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? In all your prayers today, let your weakness appeal to God's strength, like that little fawn pressing itself against that man. Imagine yourself being like that fawn in the man's arms, and think of God's heart being moved the same way that man's heart was moved. As a father has compassion on his children, so you have compassion on us, dear father, because you remember that we are dust. You know our weaknesses, and you're touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Your great heart is moved when we appeal to your strength in our weakness. Who am I, Lord, that you would be mindful of me at all? You have set me a little lower than the gods and have crowned me with love and compassion. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Before I finish asking for help, you're already in motion. You know everything ahead of time, and yet you still allow your great heart to be moved with compassion for me in the moment of my trouble. You are outside of time, and yet you still interact with me inside of time, responding to the events in my life 
and my appeals to you in prayer. Thank you, Father, for listening and paying attention to this prayer and caring about what I say to you. Teach me to relish and enjoy being listened to by someone who cares like you care. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.